Welcome to Dropping Balls with Tim and Ben, an NBA Draft History Podcast, part of the 48 Minutes Podcasting Network. Check us out at 48MinutesNetwork.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome to Dropping Balls, the 48 Minutes Network NBA Draft History Podcast. It's time for 1993, and we all know that this is a special draft for me, Tim Daniel. In the building with my man, 100 grand Ben Brown. What's up, buddy? My brother, what's going on, man? Excited for this 93 draft. Yeah. Should be a good time. It's time to talk my Penny Hardaway draft. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, everybody knows. If you've listened to this show before or you've listened to my man, Tim Daniel, you know his affection for Anthony Penny Hardaway. So this this is right up uh, right up your alley. It is, man. So before we get to that, obviously, got a little bit of things we got to take care of here as we get you and post an update what's going on in the 48 minutes land. Uh, we just had uh, this week, you'll have up our um, Indiana Pacers and Chicago Bulls season previews. Uh, listen, but don't have high expectations because those teams aren't good at basketball. Um, so, Ooh. yeah, don't, 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 don't expect us to give you positive feelings about this team. So it's not going to happen. Um, Keep checking the website, 48MinutesNetwork.com, as we're getting a lot of posts up on everything going on. And then Court Stormers with myself and Taylor Bergfeld is about to get in full effect pretty soon, getting you ready for the college basketball season. But first, Ben, let's get to it, man. The year is 1993. Now, why is 1993 important? Because the Chicago Bulls have just won their third straight NBA championship over the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan is about to retire, or so we think. <laughs> so we think. Um, we got the Kentucky, the year after the Christian Leitner shot, of course. So I'm completely blanking. I'm sorry, I totally forgot who won the 93 title in college basketball. Um, oh. <laughs> good timing. I think. Good timing. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Let me get our people on it. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to make a phone call. Let's, yeah. We'll call some people that know some people. Right. Oh, duh, I'm an idiot. That was that was the timeout. Chris oh, Weber. that was. Chris Webber timeout. Yeah. Oh, it sure was. North Carolina game. So, we've got that. Um, and then so we have this group of guys playing college basketball known as the Fab Five. And they've Absolutely. Got this, they've got this kid that's just leading the way. <laughs> He's his power forward center, my favorite power forward of all time. I love the fundamental, but Chris Webber, man, was that dude. So <laughs> let's talk about this, man, because this is right when you're getting high school. This is the Fab Five at the height of the world. They are the most underachieving team in college basketball history, if you ask me. Um, yes, they are. And they had this guy as their leader, and they came out the baggy shorts, and they didn't wear the logos, and they were all about them. Um, oh man! What do you remember about that team and when it all came together? Um, let me see. So '93, I was born into my freshman year of high school. Um, I remember Michigan. Um, they always had a decent basketball team, but nothing ever spectacular. Um, and then you hear about them gathering all these freshman guys. But the one name that they – well, actually, there were two names that they talked about. One was Jalen Rose, but the other one was Chris Webber. And Chris Webber was, was from that area and played in that area, and he was just dominant. 
So what I remember is when those guys first started playing and they shaved their heads and the baggy shorts um, and his just attitude and demeanor. I mean, I kid you not, everybody that I knew and that I hung out with, we all shaved our heads. I mean, we all, I mean, we were trying to be Michigan. We all went out and bought the black Nike socks. We all went out and got baggy shorts. We all went out and got black shoes. We all started talking trash and playing with an attitude. That started with that Fab Five, man. Every one of those guys carried that demeanor. But the leader of them all was Chris Weber, one of the most dominant, dominant power forwards that, that our game has ever seen, and also one of the more powerful the power forwards that we've ever seen in the college game. I mean, he's just dominant. I mean, he just absolutely dominated college basketball with the rest of those freshmen and for freshmen to come in and be that dominant um, was just amazing absolutely amazing and Chris Weber was the leader of them all man and you know, I'm gonna talk about Chris Weber the NBA player here because I think that well one he got stuff from the Hall of Fame this year yes I know my boy T-Mac got in rightfully so but um Chris Weber definitely needs to be in I mean he was He's if you talk, think about the power forwards he played with in the '90s, the Kevin Garnetts, the Tim Duncans, you know, this was like he was up there with those guys. He just didn't he didn't have a championship like those guys did. Those Kings mm-hmm. teams were probably the second best team in the NBA to those Laker teams they lost to. But you know, um, I think that we need to talk about just how good of an NBA player he was not just in Sacramento, but when he went to Washington, his first year in Golden State before they decided to go with. Uh, before they decided to get rid of him, which was the stupidest move ever. Um, yeah. This Golden State team that people know now, kids, they weren't always smart. Trust me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. They they uh, made a lot of mistakes, and that was one of them. Um, he he could have led that team for a lot of years and for a lot of good things, and then he became a part of, like you said, arguably the second uh, best team in the league outside of, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um but he was able to do some amazing things as far as uh, power forward-wise. I mean, he was that guy that uh, always brought the demeanor. He was the guy that's the first kind of stretch for you saw that could shoot 18, 19, 20-foot jump shots um, with with ease, also play the post, also would dive to the basket. He was a, you know just a dominant player for that era as far as power forward. And like you said, you're talking about probably one of the greatest eras uh, for power forwards um, that we have, that we have ever seen. So uh, big ups to Chris Weber. I do believe that he was uh, one of the, one of the definitely one of the snubs of the, uh, of this past hall of fame. I mean, 20 points, almost 10 rebounds a game. I mean, he, he dominated his era. So, and for those, who, for those who don't know Ben really well, uh, Ben's a big Ohio State fan, so for him to say I these am. nice things about Chris Weber and Michigan in general is uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it, it pains me, but i got to give credit where credit is due. I mean, that's, I hear you. That is, that's, that's one of the guys, man, when you're, when you're looking at basketball and, and, and that landscape and where they are, I mean, they, they were just as dominant, and he was just as dominant as they come. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's go ahead and move on here real quick. Um, obviously, the Magic take that pick. We know they traded to Golden State for Penny Hardaway. Um, but we will talk about Penny. Oh, trust me, we will talk about Penny. Um, 
Let's talk a little about Sean Bradley. He was the guy between these two. This draft, you know, when you look back at it, it was it was either one, it was either Chris Webber or Penny Hardaway was the talk, and Sean, Sean Bradley was kind of like the dude in the middle. And mm-hmm. so, um, let's give Bradley some props first. You know, athletic probably not. Okay, no. he wasn't. Um, smart basketball player though, totally. He Absolutely. Knew, he knew his limitations. He knew what he could and couldn't do. Um, he's the all-time leader in blocks per game, and he's the all-time leader in total blocks in NBA history. Granted, he's also 7'6". Um, came in on BYU, you know, who wasn't exactly a huge basketball school at the time. Uh, goes to the Sixers as they try to start the pre-Barkley era. Um, mm-hmm. what, what, what about Sean Bradley stands out to you in his, in his NBA career? Um, the one thing that I remember about Sean Bradley, and I know he takes a lot of flack, uh, because he was on quite possibly, you know, the most dunked on posters <laughs> yes. um, that you that you could ever see. I mean, he was always that guy getting, you know, getting posterized. But he was doing his job. I mean, that guy was, you know, he was a rim protector. He was he was a guy that was there to block shots. He was seven six. I mean, he was doing what he was supposed to do. So. I know he takes a lot of flack because he got dunked on a lot. He was a guy that, you know, always kind of got caught in the middle there. Uh, but he, the guy did what he was supposed to do. I mean, he blocked the most shots ever. Um, he gave you 12 years in the league, um, eight points. I mean, six rebounds for a seven foot six guy is kind of not impressive. But, you know, he did what he was supposed to do. He blocked right. shots and. And he was he was there for what he was. I mean, a seven six guy who wasn't very athletic, um, really didn't have a whole lot of basketball um, talent, uh, but he you know he did his job. I mean, he did his job for twelve years. So you know, it kind of is what he kind of is what it is. I mean, Sean Bradley was what he was. He was a guy that ended up on posters, but kind of did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. And he was in Space Jam. He was in Space Jam. Yes, he was. Tag mm-hmm. on, man. Yeah, man. I tell you what, that's that's kind of an odd footnote. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, because there were some pretty good studs in that movie, like yeah, man, Grandma Barkley Ma. and Muggsy Bowes, Grandma Ma, and then Sean Bradley and Patrick Ewing. Yeah, and Patrick Ewing. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, you know, they were looking, at, you know, they were looking around the room in the green room, like, what, 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 like, like Sean Bradley. Like, what needed, are you doing here? We needed a tall guy. Yeah. <laughs> One of the monsters is tall. Right, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what it wound up being. Like, oh, you're the tall guy. Okay, cool. We got you. So then we go to a kid from Memphis State by the name of Amphrody Hardaway. Or, yes. as we, by, by me, know him dear, dear to my heart, as Penny. So yes. let's talk about this because I feel like the young kids don't really understand. Like when I talk about how good Penny Hardaway was, I don't think the young kids really get it. Um, I know the shoes have been re-released a lot. You know, I know that um, the Thirty for Thirty came out about the Magic re- a couple like last year. I don't mm-hmm. think people get it though, man. Like this guy was—he was Magic Johnson. It was like that reincarnation of Magic Johnson, and he was <coughs> this tall. Six seven six eight point guard who could 
run up and down the court. He could shoot. He could pass. He could dunk. He could play defense. He was so good on the perimeter. Um, he's a pretty, you know, world-renowned athlete, too, for the fact that he had the advertisements with Little Penny. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he had a Super Bowl commercial with Little Penny, for God's sake. Absolutely. So sure did. Let's and then of course blue chips is where really the Orlando Magic run began because that was the first time Penny and Shaq got to play together, which they do highlight in the thirty for thirty. Um, mm-hmm. What do you remember about Penny coming like going from Memphis State, which who wasn't Memphis at the time? I mean, right. when we talked about like that's a school of great point guards too. If you're not just Penny, but Dewan Wagner, Derrick Rose, mm-hmm. you know. But he started that trend really. Yes, he did. Um, I agree with you. There is, there are not really enough superlatives. Um, anything that you say about Penny Hardaway does not explain him well enough. I know that that young people would understand how good he was. Like, you know, we all know him as an excellent passer. He could score. Uh, it, the best way to kind of describe Penny Hardaway to a young generation is. Imagine somebody as explosive as Russell Westbrook, um, somebody that had vision like LeBron, and somebody that uh, had court awareness like Magic, um, and could score in bunches if needed to, but but never was that guy as far as scoring, but always could get to the basket and make things happen. And people would be like, oh man, there's no way. I'm like, Dude, go back and that's why we have YouTube. Go back yeah, and man. watch some Penny Hardaway clips. Watch how good that guy was and how explosive he was to the basket and how he just made things happen. Penny Hardaway, to me, if he were to stay healthy, would have been he would have been a top ten player all time. No, there's no I question. Agree. Um, I I do think, and I know that thirty for thirty came out. I do think it hurt him when he lost Shaq. Of course, when you lose Shaq, that's right. That's going to hurt anybody. Um, and and his loss was Kobe's gain. So um, if you if if those two were able to stay together, there's no telling how good the Orlando Magic would have been. And there's also too don't I know there Bulls Bulls fans are going to you know. <laughs> He's, oh well, well, you know, Michael Jordan came out. Well, that's great. Michael Jordan came back, but I'm telling you this: if Shaq is there, and he's and he becomes the Lakers Shaq in Orlando, and Penny is a is a higher version of Kobe, I'm telling you this: with Derek Scott stays, if Nick Anderson doesn't lose his mind. That is a. I don't know if the Bulls get their other three peat because Orlando would have been that good. Yeah, and people are going to be like, oh well, you know, Michael Jordan. Yeah, Michael Jordan's a great player, and Scottie Pippen was a great player. I I get it, I understand it, but you're talking about some young lions, like like Penny Hardaway and Shaq together were just so dominant, and they were just getting to know each other. I mean, they didn't even get a chance to really bond like Shaq and Kobe did during the three-piece. Yeah, man. You know, Shaq and Kobe hated each other. I mean, and Penny and Shaq loved each other. What, what do you think they would have done to the league? You know, because they would have found another free agent to bring in. somebody Because somebody's going to want to play with Shaq and Penny. Oh, yeah. So you put those guys with another free agent um, who's a halfway decent scorer and a shooter, 
you you you've got some wins to come. But all the superlatives in the world could not explain how good Penny Hardaway was. He was a dominant player um, who who made things happen, had court vision, could score, could could uh, rebound, could explode to the basket, could defend. I mean. I mean that guy Penny Hardaway. There's not enough superlatives for him. I, I, I am not in love with him as much as you are in love with him. But I definitely <laughs> understand. I definitely understand your affections. <laughs> I think my favorite Penny Hardaway moment because you know you're right. You talk about all the Shaq stuff and how amazing they were. That's 100 percent true. But '97, it's his first year without Shaq. So for those who don't remember this, um, this was back when the NBA did the first round was five games. Yep. So. Penny and the Magic are go- have to go play the Miami Heat in the first round. And that was a really good Miami Heat team. So Miami was a two-seed, Orlando was a seven-seed. Penny literally took them to the Eastern Conference playoffs. Mm-hmm. So Miami jumps out to this lead. They've won the first two games. They're like, they look unstoppable. Dan mm-hmm. Barley's hitting everything. I mean, it looks like Miami's have got to go give the Bulls a run for their money. They do, but we'll get there. All right. Games three and four, Penny Hardaway won those by himself, basically. And you, mm-hmm. that's when you got to see the full package of what Penny Hardaway was. So I know that's not really one that showed off on NBA TV's Hardwood Classics, but if you can find those clips of those games, just watch Penny Hardaway in games three. And even game five, he's super good. They just come up short. That, yep. that was the Penny Hardaway that I saw. Those like, guys, I'm telling you, this is why I think he's that amazing of a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he... Uh... That series alone, I mean, he just he carried that team. He was I mean, out he of his carried, mind. Yeah, he carried that team. That was it was almost uh, it was Dwayne Wade esque. Yeah, you know the way he just was like, man, you know what? I'm going to show how dominant I am. And he came through. I mean, he just he did some amazing things in that series. I remember that series. Yeah, I remember that series. It's my favorite Penny Hardaway series ever. Because, yeah, yeah, the first game, like, Miami smoked them. Yeah. They, like, I think they'd been, like, 35. Oh, and, yeah, they, and they then, killed them. Yeah, Orlando came back, and they won game three big. Game four was super close, and then they ended up pulling it off. And, then, of course, in Miami, the last game was when it kind of went that way. So, if we talked about Penny Hardaway, this show would take the rest of the time. So, let's yeah, talk absolutely. about some other guys real quick before we get to the mock draft. Uh, the next pick is another player that, if you listen to our shows, you know is near and dear to my heart. You know, where we mm-hmm. live, what you grew up with, um, Jamal Mashburn, the Monster Mash, goes to the Dallas Mavericks at four. Uh, had an unbelievable NBA career for 12 seasons. Man, he did his thing. This is a kid from the Bronx that really started that, like, 90s Kentucky run as far as big recruits and playing in big games. They go mm-hmm. with the titles in 96 and 98. They play in the finals in 97. Mashburn was the guy that kind of started all that. Um, SEC Player of the Year. He was SEC Athlete of the Year. He mm-hmm. was just on another planet. Averaged 19 a game in the league. Only played a one All-Star game. That's a travesty. Which, um, yeah, absolutely. But, dude, like, I think, you know, I'm not a Kentucky fan per se, um, but I think if I had to pick one Kentucky player to be my favorite ever, it would be Jamal Mashburn. Yeah, um, of course, I remember the, the 90... 92 run they had where you know we won't talk about you know the shot and all that other stuff but 
Jamal Mashburn was so dominant in college. Like it was, it was scary. And you're right. He started that run of, he started that run of people wanting to play see Kentucky as the place to be for college basketball. I mean, he, he was amazing. Um, 19 points in the league, five rebounds. That's a trade. Yeah, right. He only played one all-star game. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. He was in um, New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, he's, he was a solid player for a long time. Um, and you know, he played on some really, really good teams. He played on those heat teams, 97 to 2000, and then the Hornets, the New Orleans Hornets. Um, yeah, he was Jamal Mashburn to me. He's one of my top five, top five UK players um, for me of all time. Just be how um, aggressive he was, how athletic he was. Um, I mean, he could shoot the ball. He had range shooting the ball. I mean, that guy, he was a 35% shooter from three point. I mean, and and could shoot the ball from, from all kinds of places on the floor. Um, could get to the basket was a big small forward at 6'8", 240. I mean, that guy uh, physically was imposing um, and was a powerful, powerful player. Jamal Mashburn was definitely one of my um, all-time favorite U.K. Wildcats. And the thing about him, too, man, is he was... So I should say he still is. I'm not talking like he's not here anymore. He's right. just an unbelievably intelligent dude. As soon as he leaves the league and he retires, he starts doing like all these business things. He's owning... He owns... Outback Steakhouse, you had some Papa John's, man, like he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And he did his money right. Absolutely. He definitely went to college for college. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like he was like, yeah, I'm going to get the most out of my education um, and my connections, of course. You know, anytime you're a UK alum, you're going to have so many connections that you shouldn't, you shouldn't not have success after basketball. You should have lots of success because you should know a lot of people. Um, and with the education that he received, uh, should have <clears throat> he should be able to be successful, and he was. I mean, he owns lots of businesses and does really well for himself now. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, ne- next number five pick, the Timberwolves take uh, Isaiah Ryder. I'm actually curious your thoughts on him because – He's a guy that, for some reason, has a really weird mixed bag of like opinions about him for his NBA career. Right. Um, you know, he won- he was on that Laker team in '01 that won the title. Uh, he was All NBA rookie team, slam dunk champion. You know, really kind of like ma- started making the Timberwolves cool before the big yeah. ticket came to town, and Leighton was there. Um, I, you know, I like Isaiah. I think that. You know, he maybe not, didn't exactly live up to the hype that was there for him coming out of UNLV because that was a UNLV team that was on TV every game. That was sure a UNLV was. team that beat Duke in a national championship a couple of years before that. Yep. Um But I think he had a good NBA career, so I wasn't, like, weird and confused why people were just so, like, just kind of throw his, like, his legacy away. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that he is a – he's kind of a forgotten guy. Like. Yeah. Um, and he shouldn't be. I mean, it's not like he um, – I don't know if it's because people expected more. Um, but, I mean, he averaged almost 17 points a game in the league. Like, it's not like he – it's not like he was a scrub. I mean, I mean, he played on some pretty good teams. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why that – I'm not sure why people think that way. I mean, he, he won the slam dunk contest. I don't know if it's because of 
he didn't meet everybody's expectations or if it was the fact that he did play with a little bit of attitude and had some uh, – I can't remember if he had some off-the-court stuff. Um, but I don't know why he's so disregarded. I'm not sure because he had a, a pretty successful career and played on some good teams, and, and he should be seen as one of the bright spots of this draft. But he's almost kind of like a forgotten guy outside of the slam dunk championship. So uh, – I, he's definitely played worthy of a of a number five pick. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like he uh, kind of drifted away. I mean, he played really well. Yeah, and I mean, he did. Yeah, you're right. You know, he obviously had the uh, the drug issues. And he did some time. And, yeah. Um, but I mean, he was a player, man. He did his thing on the court. Absolutely, absolutely. And it wasn't like yeah, like I said, it wasn't like he wasn't deserving of a five pick. I mean, he had a pretty, right. he had a great run at UNLV um, and gave you nine years in the league at 16 points a game. I mean, that, that's kind of all you could really ask for from a number five pick. I mean, that guy could put the ball in the basket. Yeah, absolutely. So the next group here, let's go like this. These six and sevens we don't have to talk about. We can just highlight their names and because they're the college basketball All-Americans that didn't have great NBA careers. Uh, Calvin yep. Chaney, uh, IU, one of the IU greats, played 13 years in the league. Um, maybe wasn't tech, you know, up, lived up to the sixth man, the sixth pick of the draft, but had a really good career in the NBA. Uh, but, you know, I'm st- shocked. That, I'm just, so shocked that he got 13 years in. Like dude, that's. I know. I'm shocked. And then there's Bobby I mean, Hurley. Big up Calvin Cherney. Yeah, but. Yeah, and wow. Bobby Hurley, who played five years in the NBA, and now you know we know him as the Duke point guard that everyone hated. Um, Absolutely. Dude, he was like JJ Redick before JJ Redick. Oh yeah, um, Bobby Hurley. Everybody talks about hating Christian Leitner, but I mean Bobby Hurley pretty much shared that hate. I mean people, it wasn't like he was a guy that that uh, people adored. Uh, people hated his guts too, um, you know. But the only issue with Bobby Hurley was is that he didn't hit as many big time shots as Christian Leitner, so people don't right. remember him as much. But, I mean, he still led that team to two national championships. And he also um, was a prolific shooter and and, uh, and was a really good leader as far as basketball-wise um, at Duke. I mean, he was able to accomplish some great team, great things there for, for that uh, college. Um, he, wasn't by, he wasn't Christian Leitner-esque because he didn't hit as many shots, but he was still a great player at Duke. Then we have Vin Baker. That's a guy who had a really good NBA career. Four All-Star games, 15-7, and seven, a big part of the Sonics. Uh, really was kind of brought in to kind of fill that role when Sean Kemp left, of uh, yeah. that, big, that big body. Um, unfortunately, though, you know, substance abuse got the best of him. Um, and then, you know, uh, we did the story from there for him, but just an awesome career. Uh, did a lot of really good things. That trade was really interesting, if you remember, because he was traded from Milwaukee to Seattle. It was, uh-huh. it was that three-team deal that um, Terrell Brandon, Tyrone Hill went to Milwaukee, and Sean Kemp and Sherman Douglas went to Cleveland. Cleveland, yep. Yeah. And yep, I remember I, that. I always forget about Sean Kemp playing for the Cavaliers. Yeah, and that because him moving to the Cavaliers, I believe, killed his soul. Yes. <laughs> I mean, because him and Gary Payton, I mean, that was supposed to be the thing forever. Um, and I think that move to Cleveland 
he got there, got I think he had some issues and ate himself pretty much out of the league. Um, and then for Vin Baker, for for a small stay in there when he was in Seattle, for a small stint, he was considered one of the best power forwards in the league. Another guy that could stretch the floor. Uh, but like you said, uh, the substance abuse issue started to catch up with him. Um, and he started to tail off uh, towards the end of his career. But Vin Baker, he was a special player for uh, uh, from, 90, from 98 to 2001 when he was the Sonics. I mean, you couldn't find a better power forward as far as a guy that could stretch the floor, get rebounds, and and, uh, and make big-time shots. I mean, he was he was legit. Yeah, he was. And, of course, there's Roddy Rogers, 2006 Man of the Year for the Phoenix Suns. Got, yeah. his, got his 12 years in. Lindsey Hunter, former Chicago Bull. No one remembers sure that. Was. No one remembers that. <laughs> but also well-known for his time with the Detroit Pistons when they were bad. And good. Mm-hmm. And good. Yeah, came back and won a title there. Won a title with the Lakers. Was great sure point guard for a little bit. Allen Houston. Man, you talk about a guy that could do it all, it felt like, on the court. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Nick players ever. Also hung out on that Detroit Pistons team with Lindsey Hunter and Grant Hill for a little bit. He sure did. And could shoot the lights out. Yeah. Allen Houston. Allen Houston could shoot the ball so well. He was such a great shooter. Great he, scorer. He was a Kentucky kid. He was a Kentucky kid. Went to Tennessee. Turned his back on us. Yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> oh, man. George Lynch, I think, will always be well-known for being the other guy on the team with Allen Iverson in Philly. He sure was. <laughs> he was. That's exactly what he was known for, too. He's like, hey, man, it's Allen Iverson and this other guy. Right. Eric Snow and Dikembe Mutombo are here. <laughs> and so is George Lynch. Oh, Tyron Hill's on that team. He was, absolutely. Don't, don't leave my muskies out of this. That's it, baby. Tyrone Hill. <laughs> yeah, then we got some, I mean, kind of go through the rest of the names after that. Tony DeHere, Scott Haskin, Doug Edwards, Rex Walters, Greg Graham. Luther Wright, man, um, that's a name that jumps out. The Seton Hall phenomenon. Had, yes, it was. Did not have a long NBA career at all. 15 games. Yeah. Made it, made it last forever. Right. <laughs> Tried to, anyway. And then the 20s, though, is where it gets interested. Um, Irvin Johnson, no, not Magic. Um, did some time with the C- with the Seattle Sonics. I almost said Seahawks. Wow, <laughs> not what I meant, people. It's been a long day. <laughs> yeah, you had of course Mr. Sam Cassell. You talk about oh, a guy man. who got his time in the league, man. Sam Cassell. I, can I tell you something? Yeah, boy, I used to I used to despise Sam <laughs> Cassell. I really did. And I don't know why. But I just anytime he stepped on the court, I was like, I cannot stand this dude. Not not because of his play. I mean, he he was a he was a really good player. There's just something about him. You know, when somebody gets on the court and you're like, I can't stand that dude. Yeah, man. Oh, that I was, do. That was Sam. That was Sam Cassell for me. That's my um. That's my Jonas Urekbo. Yeah. Oh my God, he has a he has a face. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Let's talk about this next pick, man. This is going to be a little near and dear as a UC guy. Um, yes. Corey Blunt. You talk about a guy that had it all. Yes, he did. put it together. Man, I tell you what. Corey Blunt was – and those UC teams were so good. Matter of fact, that's the UC team that went to the Final Four. Yep. 
with with another guy that's on later on down the line here we're going to talk about um but Corey Blunt he was he was really really good and, and the sad part about that is that he he got what 12 years in the league 11 years in the league yeah and never and never like and never did really anything to you know, push it over the top and get to that next level. Even though he had all the skills um, to be a, a to be one of the top guys, um, and I don't. I mean, and there's a lot of there's a lot of circumstances that come into play where you know, depending on what team you get on and what role you play, and and to to have that many years in the league, I mean, you, somebody had to see value in him, so um, he was able to fulfill that role. But I always wanted to see him just. Uh, almost like a he was almost like a pre Kenyon Martin. Yeah, he was like like you know just be dominant. That's you know and he had a little bit of that in college, but I wanted to see that from him in the league, and he never really got there. What was it that like in '09? I think it was like around there when he got arrested with like 20 pounds of pot in his car. Oh yeah, yeah, he had a little issue. I mean, yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah he had a little issue. Bro, but most importantly, Corey Blunt will always be remembered for being in one of the greatest movies of all time, a cinematic classic. There's Casablanca, you know, there's The Godfather, and then there's Eddie. Oh my gosh, he was an Eddie. <laughs> oh, man. I bet he's proud of that one. Yeah, he probably has like the poster. He probably still gets house. residuals for that when it comes on like TBS or something. Yeah, he probably really appreciates that 42 cent check. I know. <laughs> It's like Drake from Degrassi. Yeah, know? man, exactly. That's well, syndicated, so he's going to make money off that forever. Yeah, he will. <laughs> um, George Mirasan is in the second round. So does he wow. really, does this name really matter a whole lot? No, not really. But no. you talk about a guy that really like kind of made a little bit of a transition to make the NBA kind of cool in other markets. That was him, man. Um, yeah. He, you know, he had his time. He did some cool movies. He did that movie Billy Crystal. He did my giant. That's it. That was what it was called. Thank you. My giant, man. Yeah. Billy Crystal and Jorge Mirasan. song. Yeah, he was also in Eminem's My Name is video. Yes, he was. Well my gosh. God bless you, George Mirasan. Yeah, man. So that was where we go to with the other UC guy you mentioned down the list. Um thirty seventh pick to the to the LA Lakers. Um I think that this is a guy that was super underrated. Oh, I don't think people realize. Like, Damian Lillard talked about it a couple years back when he was tweeting. He's like, why don't people ever really remember how nice Dick Van Exel was? Oh. And was he, man? Like, people don't ever remember. Like, he was the point guard with Shaq and Kobe first. Yes, he was. And they had Eddie Jones. Yes. And they just couldn't. That team was. They just couldn't put together. Yeah, and they couldn't put together. Yeah, like, Van Exel was in an all-star game one point. He was a 14 and 6 guy on the core as a point guard. When Magic came back, Magic was like, I'll play the four. Keep Van Exel a point guard. Like, dude, yeah. he was so good. Yeah, Nick Van Exel, man. He's, he, uh, Corey Blunt's up there, but Nick Van Exel is probably my, my favorite UC player. Yeah. Um, he was just so smooth, man. That guy could get any shot on the floor, was lefty. Um, I mean, could, I mean, he played with all kinds of charisma and swagger. I mean, he Nick Van Exel was so fun to watch, and was and was such a dominant point guard. 
people people don't remember how good he was. And he's kind of that forgotten guy from the start of the Lakers dynasty, even though he wasn't there to win a championship. He was the guy that kind of brought them that winning mentality because he was he was a guy that was used to winning. So, I mean, he he came in and kind of got Shaq right, had mm-hmm. Kobe together, and then they got, you know, and then they moved him out. You know, he became a nugget, and then, of course, the Lakers have all that success. But Nick Van Exel was so cold-blooded, man. He he was just a cold-blooded shooter. Uh, he had range, and he would take the big shot. I remember that. He would take the big shot oh, yeah. no matter what. He was that guy. So shout out Nick Van Exel. They may not give you any credit, Nick, but here on our podcast, you get much love. You're our boy, Van E. So, and after him, the kind of draft kind of takes a little bit of a toll. Uh, really, after that, the only name really that jumps out is Brian Russell, only because he was on those Utah Jazz teams that couldn't beat the Chicago Bulls. Uh huh. But then you get to the undrafted list. There's this guy that, if you didn't like the San Antonio Spurs, was just a thorn in your side by the name of Bruce Bowen. And three time NBA champion, all defensive first team. His jersey is retired by the Spurs. Yes. Um, and just could flat out just play defense. And now he wears a bow tie at ESPN every week. Yes, he does. And, man, Bowen's that dude. He is. Um, Bowen, to me, signifies, he signifies the Greg Popovich era. Yeah. I mean, he is, like, when you think of Greg Popovich teams... I mean, outside of Tim Duncan, Bruce Bowen is the guy that I think about as far as what Greg Popovich looks for in a player. Gritty, tough, plays defense, does what he's told, is a team player. I mean, that was Bruce Bowen. Um, He was a great defender, guarded anybody on the floor. Um he also uh, guarded the best player on everybody's team. And I don't think people realize how difficult that is when every night you are getting the absolute best from everybody because everybody knows you're the premium defender in the league. So everybody's going to try to go at you. And constantly he would just continue to play well every single night. Yeah, because if you remember, he was on the Spurs team that played the Cavs in the 3 finals. Uh-huh. And they were like, hey, Bowen, go guard LeBron. He was like, got it. <laughs> yeah, he had no fear. Nope, not at all. Yeah, not he, at all. He was so good. He was good. All right, man, so we are now at the point in dropping balls. We get to do our 1993 redraft. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, so I don't know whose turn it is in the time they get the first pick, but it's going to be mine. There you go. You got it. Yeah, yeah. So the Orlando Magic, if we remember, did in fact take Mr. Chris Webber here and traded that pick to the Golden State Warriors for Penny Hardaway. Absolutely. So there will be no trade. We're going Penny so Hardaway 1. And Shaq right. Diesel and Penny Hardaway are going to become the best of friends. And we're going to get some dope Nike shoes out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's... uh. That was a match that was meant to be and should have stayed forever. Um, if if we could 
turn back the hands of time and sit those two down and be like, look, you guys need to be together. You belong together. Stay mm-hmm. together. That would be that would be ideal. I'm with you, my man. <clears throat> so we're here at number two, number two pick. The Sixers. The Sixers. Um, nothing against Sean Bradley. I mean, great guy. Um, a Mormon, you know. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, but I, I got to go with my man C-Webb. Yeah, man. Got to. Yeah, got to gotta go with C-Webb. You know, if they can hold on to him, you know, post Barkley, if they can hold on to him till they get Iverson, um, which, you know, in the NBA, you don't know how long that's going to happen. But yeah. if they had just held on to him and, and got Iverson, they could have been they could have been pretty legit. They could have been pretty legit. Do you remember when they got Chris Webber in like 05 and people were like, oh my God, this is the guy Iverson needed? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then Iverson gets traded to Denver a couple years later. He sure did. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, uh-huh. um, Webber was also on that Pistons team in the LeBron game. They're like 25 straight points. Uh-huh. And that was another, like the when the Pistons got him, like, man, he's going to take off. He didn't. Yeah, he... By then, he had bad knees. Yeah. He probably should have shut it down probably a couple years prior. So. Yeah. Well, I got Golden State here at three. I really want to mess this up for them because I wanted to – because it's Golden State and we all know I hate them. Oh, absolutely. It's cool. It's cool. I like the We Believe Warriors, but that's about it. We Believe (laughs) So, I'll go best player on the board here, and that's the Monster Mash, Jamal Mashburn. Um, they're, you know, they got Tyrone Hill at this time and, you know, this is the end of the run TMC teams. So uh-huh. it's time to bring the monster match in to get Golden State basketball fun again. Oh yeah. That would have been a great pick for them. That'd yeah. have been a huge pickup for them. Yeah. We did get the triple J from <coughs> Dallas because of Mashburn though. Him, Kid, and Jackson. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So we're four with Dallas. Jason Kidd is already there. Um, you know what? I think I'd give Kidd. I'd give Kidd Isaiah Ryder. Nice. I'd give him Isaiah Ryder. Um, like we talked about before, Isaiah Ryder could shoot the basketball and was a solid player. And you put him with a. If you put him with somebody like Jason Kidd that's going to find his spots on the floor, uh, he could have been a little bit more prolific scorer. So, yeah, I like that. I, I, yeah, I like I like Isaiah Ryder there at four with Dallas. Which means that leaves Minnesota's pick out there. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm going to go get the best scorer available, and that's Allen Houston. Absolutely. So Good pick. Allen Houston's going to go get this Minnesota thing started before Kevin Garnett comes to town. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Mm-hmm. That'd be real nice. So you got the bullets. Sean uh, Bradley is listening to this right now. Like, really, guys? I say. <laughs> <laughs> he's Sean not Bradley, listening. I mean, if he is, though, he's got to be like, man, what did I do to ever tick you guys off, man? Like, what? what is going on? <laughs> He's like, did I do something wrong? <laughs> All right. 
So we're at number six with Washington Bullets. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give them Nick Van Exel. Ooh, nice. I think Nick Van Exel would have had a uh, had a would have changed the culture there a little bit. Uh, he was a winner. Uh, he was a winner with the Lakers, and I think that he could have he could have changed the culture there with, a little bit with the Bullets. I like so. that. I like that a lot. And you'll tap, you can take that Van Exel, and I'll raise you a Sacramento Sam Cassell. Ooh, nice. That's three nice. three point guards in this draft that were just dirty. Yes. And none of them were Dang. Lizzie Hunter. No, no they weren't. <laughs> no. But Sam Cassell, man, that would have been that would have been dirty. Yeah. Because nobody knew how good Sam Cassell was going to be. Right. I mean, until he got to Houston and was able to hit just big shot after big shot, him and Kenny Smith down there with the Lajuan. I mean, that Cassell came in as a rookie and just and just did an excellent job there. Yeah, he did, man. I think that he's kind of one of the underrated discussions of that team that won the one back to back titles. Yeah, absolutely. He he was a he was an integral part of that of those two teams and I. Uh, as a rookie, I mean, he even stepped in and, and played well in his second year. Of course, they won it back-to-back. Uh, he was even better in that second year than he was the first. So, yeah, man. I think that's a that's a, that's a solid pick for them. I agree. So you got the Milwaukee Bucks here. Ooh-wee. Let's see here. I got to keep Vin Baker. You got to. Yeah, Vin Baker – he, he's the best player on the board, um, and I think that uh, he's a he's a great fit. He was a great fit for Milwaukee. Yeah, I agree. So I, I like Vin Baker there. Yeah, so the Denver Nuggets at this time, let's see, we're looking at Dikembe, Lafonso Ellis, defensive player, defensive player. Hmm, maybe we just need to throw another defensive player here. Like one that wasn't drafted? Oh, like Bruce Bowen to come in here and get this Denver Nuggets defense to be solidified. Nice, man. They would have been locked down. Mm-hmm. They would have been locked down for it. That would have been. That would have been legit. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, that would have been legit. That's that's a good pick. I like that pick. Mm-hmm. I like that pick. So we're down to the 10th pick in the last pick of our draft, the Detroit Pistons, who I think the nine best players in this draft are already off the board. Yeah, they are by yeah. far. Yeah. I mean, not even, not even, it's not even close. Yeah. Um, but I think Detroit 93. So Isaiah's, I think, injured or started to retire. Are coming. I mean, he's pretty close to being done. Yeah. Um, I think is Rodman still there? Is he gone? Uh, I think he's gone. Lambeer's about out. Yeah, I think that's the year Lambeer retired. So to give them a little bit of toughness, I'm going to bump up there uh, and give them uh, one of my guys, Corey Blunt. Mm. I'm going to put him there and. Uh, See if we can rekindle a little bit of that Dennis Rodman toughness um, as he leaves there and kind of 
reestablish the bad boys with uh, Corey Blunt and Joe Dumars. And hopefully the end of Isaiah Thomas there can uh, give them a little rekindling. So this is the year, that year, the Detroit Pistons. Listen to this. During the offseason, the Pistons acquire Sean Elliott from the Spurs, who like, that's, oh. a, that's an awesome get for them. Yeah. They hire Don Cheney as their head coach. Bill Beer retires. And this is when Isaiah Thomas got hurt. Because Towards of the, Achilles, right? Yeah, because of the fight with Bill Beer. And oh, yeah. they had that 14-game losing streak. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It was a good year. It was, yeah. They they had a doozy. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, they 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 they, they, um, they were prepared for it all. Yeah, they sure were. <laughs> so that wraps wow. up the draft in this week's edition of Dropping Balls, our NBA draft history podcast here on the Forty Eight Minutes Network. Ben, what do we got coming up next, man? What's the next draft we're doing? Uh, let's see here. Let's let's take a look. Um, we'll take a little stroll here. And I know that we had talked about, I think I may want to look at the year that I graduated high school, Ooh. which would have been the 1997 draft. Okay. And I haven't even looked at it yet. I haven't either. But, but I'm going to pull it up now. And see what we got. Yeah, let's take a look. Oh, it starts off with a young man, also known as the fundamental. Yeah. The big fundamental. Ooh. So we've we've got a few. Uh, we've got a, a recent Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got one of probably my favorite UK Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Uh, ooh. We got a guy that makes big shots. Yep. We got stacks. We got stacks. Wow. This is. This isn't I, bad. I, this isn't bad. No, not at all. I'm I'm pretty excited about 97. Yeah, me too. This the year fun. I graduated high school. That That's kind of crazy. That is crazy. Oh, man. Go Keith Van Horn. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. How can we forget the cover athlete of NBA GM 99 on Nintendo 64? Get out of here. Yeah, that's a real thing. Wow. Huh. Yeah. So that being said, this is this week's installment of Dropping Balls, as we said. So be, be able to check out here next week or two. We'll get you this 97 draft. And Ben is really excited to talk about. I can't wait either. Everyone, have a great one. Enjoy it. And uh, it's almost here, guys. It's almost NBA season. It sure is. Cannot wait. 2K is dropping soon. Yeah, that means man. NBA season is upon us. I know. It's like, what did I do all summer? I know. Talk about the NBA? Yes. <laughs> Thank goodness for the big three. Yeah, exactly. All right, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs> good night, everybody.